Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, the host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. I'm very happy that you're with us today. We're in Revelation, God Rules, and we've come to Episode 9, The Woman and the Great Red Dragon, from Revelation 12, verses 1 through 17. This is the episode for Sunday, March 12th, 2023. Well, we're glad you're here, whether it's your first time or you've been here many times. We are over halfway through our study of the book of the Revelation. We're on the downhill run in Revelation, and yet some of the most exciting chapters in the book, if if that can even be said, every chapter is amazing. But we're coming to the chapters that most people want to know the most about in the book of the Revelation. I'm going to quote from Elwood McQuaid in his book, Israel, My Glory. This is a great paragraph that will teach you an immense amount about properly interpreting Scripture in general, but especially Bible prophecy. Mr. McQuaid said this, By far, the majority interpretation is that the woman is the church, which is entirely unsatisfactory and ignores all sorts of basic interpretive cues. Number one, Christ birthed the church. We know that from Matthew 16, 18, not the other way around. The sun, moon, stars have a direct corollary in Joseph's dream. In Genesis 37, 9, the sun equaled Joseph's father, Jacob, the moon, Jacob's mother, and, excuse me, that should be, uh, the moon equals Joseph's mother, is what that should say. <laughs> it actually says Jacob's mother. The 11 stars equal the brothers, 12 stars, meaning all 12 tribes, but of course, You know, Joseph was one of those, but he's referring to his 11 brothers. Hence, a strong reference to Israel. Number three, the reference to clothe with the sun and the moon under her feet refer to many passages which declare that the promises made to Israel, especially for a Davidic ruler and the continuation of the nation, can be thwarted only if the sun and moon can be made to cease from before God. You could go to Psalm 89, you could go to Jeremiah 31 to see that. Hence, the reference is to the permanence of Israel and its promises in the mind of God as evidenced by his oaths involving the sun and moon. Number four, the woman travails to give birth to the man-child, and it's a singular male, who is caught up. This would seem a clear allusion to the promise of the seed of the woman made in Genesis 3.15, and the man-child is obviously Christ and not the rapture of the church. Uh, So that's what Elwood McQuaid wrote in Israel, My Glory. So let's jump right in. We're going to Revelation 12. If you didn't understand what I just read, you will when we're done. We're going to see first a wonder in heaven, and this is a sign, 
and it is a woman in heaven. Revelation 12, verse 1, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. Now, I'm going to read now Joseph's dream from Genesis 37, 9 through 11. And he dreamed yet another dream and told it his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. That is, those eleven stars and the sun and moon bowed down to Joseph in his dream. That's what he's saying. All right, verse 10. And he told it to his father and to his brethren, and his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee, to the earth? By the way, that's exactly what happened when they had to go into Egypt. (laughs) Verse 11, And his brethren envied him, but his father observed the saying. So we see that was Joseph's dream. It's the same thing as we see John write about here in Revelation 12.1. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. Now, if you're not careful with interpretation, you could say, well, there's going to be a woman literally appear in heaven and and try to make all of this real. Now, God could do that. I have no problem with God if that's what he did. But I believe it's alluding back to Joseph's dream. Clearly, this woman is intended to represent Israel. All right? Now, keep that in mind. Because many people today, many churches today, unfortunately, many seminaries and pastors today, have bought into replacement theology that God has done with Israel. All the promises God made to Israel have been or ultimately will be fulfilled in the church. So there is no need for a nation of Israel. Israel is not going to be involved in the future. It has nothing to do with prophecy, blah, blah, blah. They're wrong. That clearly right here in this passage if they ever took the time to study and read the book of the Revelation, clearly in Revelation 12, 1, Israel is brought to the forefront. So let's go to verse 2 of Revelation 12. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth and pained to be delivered. So we see this woman in heaven who is clearly Israel, She's about to have a child and in, in the uh, pains of labor here. All right, now we see a dragon in heaven. You'll see that every day, right? By the way, before we go too much further, I want to point out something to you. Dragon, uh, we're going to see here this represents Satan. Obviously, this represents him, and we'll see that. But dragons are known about and spoken of and even feared uh, historically worldwide. Did you know that? There, in every culture of the world, there are dragon stories. Now, you know, we think of a knight slaying the dragon and go like, oh, wow, what a wonderful fable. 
the more I've learned about the world, the more I realize there are things that we think we know that aren't actually so. And it appears to me, why would people be in such fear and dread of dragons if they weren't real? So you, you mean a fire-breathing dragon, Brother Ed? I didn't say that, okay? I just said that I think uh, maybe they were dinosaurs or something. I don't know, but they were big lizards. You know, there's even islands today with huge lizards on them. But the point I'm making is dragons are feared worldwide, and the dragon here represents Satan. Even things like vampires. Oh, vampires don't actually exist. Well, they sure are feared all over the world. I mean, could you could people so deeply fear something that had no basis in fact? So I'm not talking about Count Dracula or something like that, but there apparently have been people who feasted on human blood. Think that through. So some of the things we think we know might not be so. Anyway, I digress. But in this vision John has, we see a dragon in heaven. Now, could there appear an actual great red dragon in heaven if God wants that? Yes. But I believe this is symbolic. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. This is like a sign. And behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. Now, I'm going to quote Dr. John Walford, who is a great expositor and exegete of Scripture. And he said here, from the similar description given in Revelation 13.1, which we'll see next week, and the parallel references in Daniel 7, uh, especially verses 7 and 8, it is clear that the revived Roman Empire is in view. The seven heads and ten horns refer to the original ten kingdoms, of which three were subdued by the little horn of Daniel 7, verse 8, who is to be identified with the world ruler of the great tribulation, who reigns over the revived Roman Empire. Now I'm going to read, uh, we're going back to Daniel 7, and I'm going to read Daniel 7, verses 7 through 11, so you can understand more about these seven heads of ten horns and the seven crowns upon the head, his heads. All right, in Daniel 7, 7 to 11. After this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly and it had great iron teeth it devoured and broke in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it and it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it and it had ten horns i considered the horns and behold there came up among them another little horn before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth 
speaking great things. I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books were opened. I beheld then, because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake, I beheld even till the beast was slain, and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. So again, Daniel had this vision. Um, I think I'm right in saying, I may get mixed up on my math here, but about 500 years, I mean, I'm pretty sure about that, 500 years before the apostle John had his vision. And notice it's the same thing. There is a kingdom coming that will rule the entire world and it will be headed up in one man called the beast, the little horn. We often call him the Antichrist. This one is coming to rule the world. So we see here this great red dragon in heaven in front of the woman who in heaven who is about to give birth. But let's go further in Revelation 12, verse 4. By the way, give yourself a gold star if you are tracking with me and have not completely lost your way. Thank you for paying attention. All right, in verse 4 of Daniel, excuse me, Revelation 12, we read there, again, it's talking about the great red dragon that appears in heaven before the woman in heaven, and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. Now I'm going to make a few points here. First of all, uh, the great red dragon's tail uh, cast down a third of the stars of heaven. We believe, and we have scriptural reason to believe, this refers to the time when Satan rebelled against God, and he was able to convince a full third of God's holy angels to rebel with him. They all fell and they became demons. That's where demonic spirits come from. But the beautiful thing is he was only able to lead a third of them in rebellion. Do you realize what that means, Christian? That means that two-thirds of the angels are sold out to God. <laughs> I love that. We're on their side. They're on our side. We're going to win this thing. I mean, not that it's in doubt. I'm just saying that Satan only got a third to rebel with him. Two-thirds remained absolutely loyal to God. Amen. 
Now I'm going to read in Psalm 2 because it deals a little bit with this fifth verse. And she brought forth a man-child who is to rule all nations with a rod of iron. What does that mean? Well, we go back to Psalm 2, which is viewed as a messianic psalm about the Messiah that will come to the earth. Psalm 2 says, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. That means against Christ, you see that? And against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Now watch this, verse 9. It's talking about Jesus Christ here. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and ye perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. So we see here, from what is said in Psalm 2, a messianic psalm, that, that, that the Christ is going to return to the earth and rule this world with a rod of iron. There will be no getting around his rulership. No slick, clever tricks to get your way. Jesus is coming to rule. Now, the first time the Lord Jesus Christ came, as a baby in Bethlehem, he came to be the suffering servant. He was crucified, buried, and resurrected the third day. He ascended back to heaven. When he returns, he's not coming back as the suffering servant, my friend. He's coming back as the ruling king. He's not coming back to take sides. He's coming to take over. Of course, the politicians and political types and government types of this world, they just hate that idea because they want to run things. Well, they won't have a say in it. He's coming back to rule. So again, let's go back to Revelation uh, 12 and let's go back to verse 5. And she brought forth a man-child who is to rule all nations with a rod of iron so who is this child? It's obvious it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Israel is the, the people through whom the Messiah has come to the world. And, and clearly, this is what this means. To say anything else is to hopelessly confuse interpreting the Bible and interpreting Bible prophecy. 
And at the end of verse 5, it says, And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. Now, when did that happen? At the ascension, after the resurrection. That's exactly what happened. So now, let's go to uh, Revelation 19, verse 15. I want you to see this one more time. This is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ when he literally returns to the earth in the future, at the end of the tribulation. Revelation 19, verse 15. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. There it is again, right? You see it? And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. All right, so we've seen the woman in heaven about to give birth. We've seen the great red dragon in heaven ready to devour the Lord Jesus Christ when he was born. Now, I want you to put that old thinking cap on. Can you think of any time in the Gospels, I mean, the main time that you would think of when this occurred? Yeah, at his birth in Bethlehem. What did Herod do? He tried to find the Lord Jesus Christ and murder him. That was Satan using government. Do you see that? So that is exactly what Satan tried to do. Of course, it was a futile attempt, but he, he did try to do that. And uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, was not uh, gotten by Satan at that point, And he, at any point, actually, and he went through his earthly ministry. He died a perfect uh, sacrificial death where he became our sin. He paid the penalty for our sin. He died. He was resurrect, buried, and then he was resurrected the third day, literally, actually. And then he later ascended to heaven and he's coming back. That's the truth. I don't know what your church is or isn't teaching you, or maybe you don't even go to church. But what I just told you, that's the plan, baby. That's the program. I don't know where you are in it, but it doesn't matter. That's what's going to happen. So you need to decide, are you in or are you out? Are you on board or are you off? Which is it? You can't be in the middle. You have to choose. All right, now let's go to the woman in the wilderness in Revelation 12, verse 6, and the woman fled into the wilderness. Now, who, who is the woman again? It's the nation Israel. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days. Now, by the way, I didn't uh, copy the scripture on this and put it here. But that 1,203 score days is in the book of Daniel. And that's when the Lord returns. And then the, I believe I'm saying this right. In the 1,290 days after the Lord is returned, there's apparently a month where everything is cleaned up. Okay, that's the only way I can describe that. You go back and you read the entire book of Daniel and you'll see what I'm talking about. But here we have Israel, the woman in the wilderness. And, and notice here when she has to flee uh, this great red dragon, I'm going to explain that here in a minute. 
God already has a place prepared for her. Many people think that it is the ancient city carved into the stone walls of the Middle East, the ancient city of Petra. It may be other places like Masada. We don't know exactly, but God knows, and God has a place prepared to protect Israel who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then it says there that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days. All right, what is that about? All right, here we go. A thousand two hundred and three score days is exactly three and a half years according to a Jewish calendar. It is 42 months, okay? And it is what we call uh, 42 months of tribulation known as the great tribulation. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ called the last half of the tribulation period, that last three and a half of the seven years of the tribulation. The last half is known as the great tribulation, according to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's also called in the Bible the time of, ready, get this, Jacob's trouble, not the church's trouble. Who is Jacob? Well, his name was changed, wasn't it? To what? To Israel. This is the time of Israel's trouble, the time of Jacob's trouble. It is the 70th prophetic week of the Jewish prophet Daniel. Now you have to go back and I'm not going to make this easy for you. Your homework is read the entire book of Daniel. And as you read that, you will run into 70 weeks being determined upon the Jewish people. This was revealed to Daniel. Now that is 490 years. 483 of those years historically have been fulfilled to the letter. But the 70th week, the events that are going to occur there have never been fulfilled, but they will be because they are, uh, this is, by the way, weeks of years, heptads. So we're not talking about uh, 490 days, we're talking about 490 years and you, we even know from that exactly when the Lord Jesus Christ was to appear in Jerusalem, when he presented himself in Jerusalem. And the Jewish people should have known. I think they did know, but they rejected it because it was to the very day when the Lord Jesus Christ presented himself. All right, anyway, you got to go back and study it. And we have some episodes on This Week in the Word that are a year or two back, you can find them, go find them and listen to all that. You'll understand it better. But this is the 70th week of Daniel, the time of Jacob's trouble or Israel's trouble, the great tribulation, the last half of the tribulation period, which is three and a half years, uh, 42 months on the Jewish calendar. So what happens there? Well, at that midpoint of the tribulation, and we're going to see this in as we go into Revelation 13 and, and beyond, at the halfway point of that seven-year tribulation in world history that I feel like is coming up here, <laughs> the Antichrist, as we often call the beast, 
the Antichrist dies. Now, we don't know exactly how he dies, but he's dead. And somehow, I don't know how, somehow he's resurrected. Is this a real resurrection? I don't know. Is it a faked one? I don't know. But here's the point. The Bible says he dies and he's resurrected and the world believes he's resurrected. Well, guess who that mimics? It imitates the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? He, he comes back to life and he is thought to be, in, in some weird way, he's thought to be actually Christ himself by people who have zero discernment, all right? Now, how does this happen? God allows, A, God allows it, all right? And God has predicted what's gonna happen. But he, when he dies, he is literally, 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 physically indwelt by Satan. So at that point, the Antichrist and his body and personality and all of that become a gigantic sock puppet for Satan because Satan craves the worship of the world. And guess what? The Antichrist is going to require that the entire world fall down and worship him. Now I was thinking about something. We'll get this to next we'll get to this next week. But you might say, well, how would he know that everyone fell down? You know these little watches that people wear? I won't say the brand name, but maybe you're wearing one. What happens if you fall down or make some sudden motion? You get contacted like, are you okay? Have you fallen and can't get up? You know what I'm talking about. Now, that has many wonderful uses right now, but imagine if that same technology could be used to determine did everybody bow on their face and worship the beast. Hmm. <laughs> you never thought about that, did you? Well, I think about things like this because I'm a thinker, all right? It is a heavy burden to bear, let me tell you. <laughs> I cannot be happy-go-lucky. I've never been that way because I think about things and I see what's coming over the horizon. I'm like that Navy SEAL instructor in that documentary I saw. He had those shivering uh, Navy SEAL buds candidates that, that wanted to be SEALs, shivering in the cold on the sand dune as he stood out there like in shorts and a t-shirt and he's looking out to the ocean and he says, does anybody know what I'm looking for? And nobody dared say a thing. And he said, I'm looking for war. <laughs> what a great scene in that documentary. I'm that guy. I'm not a Navy SEAL, not saying I am. But prophetically speaking and thinking about and analyzing things, I do not accept what I'm told at face value by the media, by the government, by anybody. Are you a conspiracy theorist? Hey, moron. If, if you just said that, I'm not calling everybody listening a moron, but if you just said that, then you might be a moron. And here's why. Things that, that we said would happen a few years ago that we were accused of conspiracy theories, it's just that we reported the news ahead of time because now even the people who are involved in some of this are admitting it. 
wake up. I mean, you can be blind and then you can be blind, which would make you kind of moronic. Would you agree? If I offended anybody, I meant to. All right, anyway, <laughs> the Antichrist is literally indwelt by Satan who proclaims himself as God. And we know from 2 Thessalonians, I think it's 2 Thessalonians, Paul told us this, that he uh, does that in the temple and says, I'm God, you must worship me. False prophet enforces that. And the Antichrist from that point forward in the temple in Jerusalem unleashes a vicious attack on the Jewish people starting at the temple in Jerusalem and spreading out across the world. And that's why the Messianic Jews are going to have to flee Jerusalem because it will be that intense. And that's what the Lord Jesus Christ said when, when they saw the abomination of desolation, that image of the beast, in the, the holy place, you know, where it shouldn't be, Jesus said, flee, don't, don't waste any time. Flee, Jerusalem. And those that do are going to be hidden by God and taken care of for that last half of the tribulation period. What a miracle, amen? Now, we see a war in heaven. In uh, Revelation 12, verse 7, and there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place, that is the, the place you know, where they formerly were, neither was their place found anymore in heaven. Now I'm going to read in Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, because we want to know a little bit more about this Michael that's mentioned. Some people say that he's the Lord Jesus Christ. I think that is completely incorrect. And I'm going to show you who he is according to the Bible. Daniel 12, verse 1, And at that time, show Michael, that name means, by the way, who is like God, and at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. And at that time thy people, and who, whose people? Daniel's people. Who were his people? The Jewish people, Israel. And at that time, thy people shall be delivered. Everyone that shall be found written in the book. Now, listen, since Satan's rebellion in antiquity, he lost his abode, his dwelling place in heaven. So he couldn't live there anymore. But up until now, he still has access to heaven to accuse the brethren. Now you can see that in the book of Job. We're, we're told clearly that that's one of Satan's main pastimes is accusing you before God and me. That's what he does. He accuses the brethren. And by the way, if you're a Christian, don't help him out. Don't run down other Christians. Lovingly confront them and try to help them, sure. 
but don't don't try to tear up the church. You see what I'm, we're saying here? Now, that's the devil's job, and he's doing a pretty good job. You don't need to help him. Follow Matthew 18 if you need to say something to someone. And go back and read that. All right, now, since Satan's rebellion, he lost his abode in heaven, but still has access to heaven to accuse the brethren. But finally, as we see here, he is eternally evicted from heaven. I tried to find an A word that would go there and I couldn't find one. I, I wanted to try to alliterate that, but I couldn't do it. But the point is, not the alliteration, the point here is that at some point in the future to our time, in the book of the Revelation, I would say uh, probably at the midpoint of the tribulation, at the same time that he literally indwells the Antichrist in that resurrection, Satan no longer even has access to heaven. He's confined to the earth. And you know what the beauty, the beauty of this is? After that, he's confined to hell. I mean, wait, well, first, he's chained up, and we know that. And finally, he's confined to the lake of fire. I like that. How about you? I love that. <laughs> now, Let's see the dragon on the earth. So Satan has been, been cast out at this point in the book of the Revelation. It's still future to us out of heaven. He cannot go into heaven like on a daily basis and accuse us directly to God. So what's he going to do? Well, he's got a lot of time on his hands now, and he's going to use it to do what he does best, <laughs> wreak chaos on the world like that insurance commercial, who is it? Is that guy called, um, I don't think he's called Chaos. What's he called? I can't remember, but you know the one I'm talking about. Uh, mayhem, I think is what it is. Anyway, the dragon on earth. And the this is Revelation 12, verse nine. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent, what does that take us back to? The garden, right, and Eve. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. So we believe this final eviction from heaven is yet future to us at the midpoint of the tribulation. Then we see worship in heaven. This is wonderful. <laughs> Amen. He's, he's kicked out and worship breaks out. Isn't that great? Worship in heaven. And I heard, uh, this is verse 10 in Revelation 12, and I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth. That's those, those earth dwellers we've been seeing all through Revelation. I mean, listen, right now, 
you are either an earth dweller, you can't even see spiritual things, or you're a citizen of heaven. That you're not both. You're either saved right now or you're lost right now. If you're lost, you can come over to our side and be saved. Because right now, all you can see is this earthly plane and you just don't get it. You're having an immensely hard time right now even understanding what I'm talking about. So, uh, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you having great wrath because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Now we see wrath with the woman or against the woman. Verse 13, and when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. You know, Satan could not keep the Lord Jesus Christ from coming through the Jewish people, but now he's going to wear out the Jewish people. Why? Uh, like payback, I'll, I'll show you, I'll take care of you. And also because the Lord Jesus Christ says he will return to rescue Israel, Satan would love just to wipe Israel off the map so the Lord Jesus Christ can't do that and to just completely derail the prophetic plan of God. So that's why he persecutes the Jewish people. Verse 14 of Daniel, uh, excuse me, Revelation 12. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle. Now that reminds us that God said that he carried Israel out of Egypt on the wings of an eagle. So it's saying that God is going to do this. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. That's, that's Satan. Now that time, times, and half a time, we see that first in the book of Daniel. That means a year and times means more than one year. So we got one year, we have two years. So that's three years and half a time. You guessed it, that would be half a year. That's three and a half years. That's 42 months. That's the last half of the tribulation known as the great tribulation, specifically the time of Jacob's or Israel's trouble, not the church. The church is gone from the earth. We're with the Lord in heaven awaiting the return to the earth with him. All right, so Satan doesn't give up easy, does he? Look at verse 15. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. So that's wrath with the woman. Israel is persecuted. But then we see war on the earth in verse 17 of Revelation 12. And this is specifically, I believe, against Messianic Jews, against Jewish people who come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Messiah during the tribulation. Verse 17, And the dragon was wroth with the woman, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed. Now, now listen carefully. Which 
keep the commandments of God. Who is that? That's Jewish people. And have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So I believe these are Messianic Jews referred to here as Satan persecutes, but God takes care of them. In Matthew 24, verses 15 to 22, listen to what the Lord Jesus Christ said about this period of time, and you'll see the same kind of things mentioned. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place, that's in the the holiest of holies in, in the temple, Whoso readeth, let him understand. And then verse 16, Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should be no flesh, excuse me, there should no flesh be saved, but, for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Now, let's ask this question, and we're almost done. We're at the end. What is up with this anti-Semitism that has always been in the world? Have you ever wondered that? Like, so why did, why did Hitler hate the Jews? Why did the Russians hate the Jews? Why did, why did the French hate the Jews and the British and... I mean, why did Egypt hate the Jews? And on, I mean, Babylon, everybody you could name who's in power had this anti-Semitic thing going on. What is up with that? Here's the secret right here. It's spiritual, as in it's satanic. Remember when the serpent got Adam and Eve to sin, and Adam and Eve fell from grace. They were fallen creatures. God promised to rescue them through the seed of the man? No, the seed of the woman, a biological impossibility. But that's no problem for God. So he promised the seed of the woman, and that was the first promise of a Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Then he picked out Abraham, Abram at that time, for no reason at all, except he picked him out, and he told him he would be the father of uh, many nations. All right, so Abraham, changed his name to Abraham. Abraham had Isaac, the child of promise, even though he already had Ishmael. It was through Isaac's line that this seed of the woman would come, this Messiah. And then among the uh, 12 tribes of Jacob, well, Isaac had Jacob, and it was through Jacob, not Esau, right? Then Jacob had 12 sons, but it wasn't through any, just any of his sons. It was through the, uh, the tribe of Judah. So all the other 
11 tribes were eliminated. This has been called by Josh McDowell, the great uh, Christian apologist, the great address in history. I mean, if you want to find the address where the Messiah is, follow these directions. You can't miss him. So Jacob and then Judah, the Messiah will come through Judah, but not just through anybody in Judah. It would come through the lineage of David. Yep, that David, the great king David. And more than that, he would be born in the city of David, Bethlehem. Okay, you see how it just narrows all the way down to the exact city? And he would be born to a Jewish virgin, not just to any girl, but to a girl who is a virgin, who is a Jewish woman. Now, that's exactly what God did. You, you know that from reading the Gospels. But now, the Jews in Israel, now all of that's already taken place, so now Satan wants to eliminate Israel because God said they will always exist. Satan's trying to wipe them out. And Jesus says they will be here when he returns. So Satan is trying to, to eliminate the Jewish people on this planet. And by the way, if somehow you're listening to this and you're in any movement trying to destroy the Jewish people, give it up, man. You are fighting against God. Just stop already and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the Jews in Israel will be present when Jesus returns. Jesus is to rule, listen, Jesus is to rule the universe from Jerusalem. I don't like that. We don't really care if you like it. It's what's going to happen. Satan wants to short-circuit God's plan. So, in Revelation 13, where we're going in the next episode, we witness the rise of the beast out of the sea and the beast out of the earth to try to eliminate the Jewish people. Now, we're going to stop right there. I'm going to give you a phone number. If you've got questions you need to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, or you need help in your Christian life, call this number. Someone will help you. It's a Christian ministry that you will call, 888-388-2683. One more time, 888-388-2683. Call that number and someone will help you. Now listen, thank you for listening this far. If you like this episode, then like it. <laughs> and also follow the podcast and go one more step and share this podcast with someone else that they can listen as well. Now, here's the deal. If the Lord doesn't come this week first and Satan, the deep state, or the World Economic Forum don't double tap me, then I'll be back next week with episode 10. And I can't wait. Well, actually, if the Lord took me to heaven, that'd be great too. <laughs> But if I'm still here, I can't wait to bring that episode. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. God bless you. Bye-bye.